All right, everybody, here we are starting part two of podcast episode four. Um, this will be our interview with Dan Sears. So let's jump right into it. All right. So here we go. Our very first guest, we'd like to welcome the one and only Dan Sears. How's it going, Dan? Hey, hey great. Hey. Good to listen see to you. Listen to the people listen to the people cheer when Dan Sears' his name gets nobody cheers for Mike or I, but uh that's as loud of a applause as you get when you get on I, I can't show. hear you. The applause. Yeah. Like what what? No, it was there. You just maybe hear it in the when we play it back. Okay. Uh so for those of you listening, uh Dan and I go way, way, way back uh to working uh, while we were in college at the same place, uh, we worked at Meyer in Michigan. And Dan, would you agree when we started doing these golf trips, this was when we went to Oscoda with that one guy that worked at Meyer, whose parents owned this cabin. Um, I got into that kind of golf. There was like eight of us that went. I was more of a friend with Roland, and I think you were closer with Roland than you than the two of us being besties at the time. Would you agree with that? That that's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It, it was so, on that first golf trip that the three of us kind of bonded. Yeah, I think so. And then we lost that ride because that guy didn't so much keep his job. And uh, then we we're like, well, shit, what are we going to do now? So I came across my parents had bought a timeshare in Tennessee. And I said, hey, what do you guys think? And so we we bought this timeshare. I, I want to does it sound like 1995. Does that sound right, Dan? Either 94 or 95. Okay. So the first time we really had one-on-one -on -one time together to hang out as a couple of buddies was a 10-hour drive to get down there. Uh, take us through that. What do you remember about the drive to get down to Tennessee? <laughs> the first year, it was, uh, you know, the condo was either Friday or Saturday, start day. Yep. But we couldn't leave until Monday morning because I had a wedding to go to on Sunday. Okay. So, so we left on uh, Monday morning to go down there. I forgot that. Yeah. Um, we, of course, got lost. I remember yes. it, it was dark. <laughs> yes. We couldn't find it. <laughs> there was, was a one-lane bridge. Yes. It's scary down there, man. There was a one-lane bridge and not a lot of directions and a lot of backwoods-looking stuff. Yep. I remember you, you said it. that the woman said, once you get to railroad tracks, maybe it was? <laughs> she said, if you get to the railroad tracks, you've gone too far. Turn around. Yeah. And of course, we got to the railroad tracks, and we had to turn around. Yeah, and find Google our Maps way. is a good thing on the phone nowadays. Some directions yes. we had were a little janky. Can I yes. ask you guys a question, real quick? Um, was there a particular reason you went to the middle of Tennessee? I mean, you said your parents found the timeshare, but I mean, was there anything special about that location, or it was just nope? Uh, when my parents suggested they had more, and they were kind of cheap. We just looked at the map and saw there was a golf course attached to it and went, that sounds like us. Let's go. That makes yeah. sense. So, Dan, in those first couple of years, do you have any funny memories about golfing or just us being in the condo or anything to enlighten us about me when I was, what, 23 years old, 24 years old? Yeah. I I remember when we got there, we finally got to the condo and got in. And then next morning we were going to you know, go golfing. Yeah. And we got up. And there was trees everywhere laying on the ground. We're like, really? what the hell? Yeah. And they said they'd had big storms like a, a few days before that. Oh, And they hadn't okay. cleaned up yet. And there, and there were still trees laying everywhere. Okay. I um, see. But the oh, oh, the story about the $8 is, is great. Yes. Tell the $8 story. We, we uh, 
we went to golf and you know the guy says eight bucks for 18 holes I'm like okay that's pretty cheap and we hadn't golfed in the course so we're like you know maybe it's kind of a dumpy course right, not real right. sure that's a red flag yeah yeah so we get out there and it's a really nice course I'm mm -hmm. like okay cool we're, so we're gonna do this again we got some lunch we went back and we're kind of like okay here's our eight dollars you know right. to pay golf because it's and the guy's like you guys already paid this morning right go right. But yeah for this morning's round he's like oh no you pay in the morning and you just keep going all day <laughs> yeah I, we looked at each other like this can't be right yeah <laughs> you know even so back that, then you know yeah eight dollars was really cheap that uh, changed that completely changed our plans like we like the next day we were like maybe we'll golf 18 holes and then we'll go check out the beach at the end and see who's here or whatever that we started golfing 45 holes a day walking around that course yep yep oh yeah I'm of course gonna we ask how much you guys then. golfed how much did you guys golf then like how many holes of golf do you think you did that weekend well we started on on tuesday i think we were doing 45 a day weren't we yeah it was probably 45 a day yeah <laughs> we walking were... Yeah, I remember the second day trying to swing the club on the first hole and like, oh my God, does this hurt? If I did that now, I would just break in half. Oh yeah, I, I think we'd collapse before we even get done with 18. We right. wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> um, what other memories I have? Uh... Oh, I got a good one. Okay, go ahead. Well, you know how you tend to get hurt on these vacations? True. <laughs> have you ever been hit with a golf ball on that golf course, Dan? Yes, I have. <laughs> we were standing, I was standing in the middle of the fairway mm -hmm. on one of the holes waiting to hit up to the green. And it was really hot. It was hot that day. Yep. And I'm standing there. All of a sudden I hear this like thwack. And I was kind of like, what was that? And then all of a sudden, and then I felt the pain. <laughs> and I collapsed on the course. And Roland, and Tim and Roland was kind of looking at me like, whatever. What's he doing? Well, again, I was still pretty new in this, you know, Dan Sears, Tim Larson relationship. I didn't really know. Like, Dan, we, Roland and I were carrying our clubs, and Dan was had a pull cart. And we made fun of him for that for years, if you remember that, Dan. Um, but it, you had to rent it there. Like, he didn't bring his from home. And the ones that you rent at the course, they don't really have the straps to strap your clubs in. So a couple of times throughout the day, his clubs had fallen over when he went to stop. And so the first thing Roland and I heard was that his clubs fell over and we're like, would you just pick up your clubs like a big boy and pull up your pants? And so we look, turn around and there he is laying in the fetal position in the middle of the fairway and he's moaning. And I'm like, <laughs> Roland, this is all you, you know, I'm better than I do. I mean, I just, I rode with him for 10 hours to get down here and now he's laying in the middle of the fairway. I don't know. And um, so we walk up and, and, and Dan, you were just kind of moaning on the, on the ground and, I was like, Dan, what's going on? I thought maybe he had a heat stroke. Um, I was like, do we got to go through his cell phone and call somebody, a relative? And he, he just goes, uh, golf ball. I'm like, oh, he definitely had a heat stroke. He's just saying words at this point that don't make any sense with anything. And then um, as we're laying there and he's, he's just kind of finally starting to maybe be able to get up, a golf cart comes up. What happened was there's a driving range that's aimed toward that. I think we were on the fourth or fifth fairway and there's one of those big nets and this man hit a ball over the driving range, over the net, over some trees and hit Dan in the hip on the fly and dropped him like a sack of rocks. 
Yeah, that, that was a monster shot by that guy. Yeah. That was unbelievable. That was just um, in those first two years. Yeah, they they drove out there. By the time I, you know, they got out there, I was up and walking around, but they're like, "Oh my god, are you okay?" I, I it was a ranger. He had run and told the ranger and right, jumped and the in ranger the ranger's cart, right. and he drove out there. <laughs> yeah, how many times in life have people on a golf course said like this after they hit somebody? I never hit a shot like that in my life. I can't even believe that happened. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All the time. A question for both of you. Yeah. Quick question for both of you. Um, so do you, do you guys have a favorite course? You've got, you guys have been go golfing all over the country now. Mm -hmm. Is there any place in particular that you guys um, liked the most uh, or just have, was there something unique about any certain place that was just very memorable? I remember that the Georgia course that the there was a par three that had like a two hundred foot drop to the green. Was that elevated tee box? That's right. Yep. Yeah, that was a very cool hole. I don't remember much about the rest of the course. Yeah, I don't either. That was, that was a really nice hole, though. The, a ranger came by while we were on that tee box. I remember, and we had we had already hit, and. This I'm going to guess that Dan and I hit shots that landed somewhere near the green, which is really hard to judge when you're elevated that high uh, above. Yeah. Roland probably dribbled a ball off of the tee box just into the bushes 10 feet in front of us. And it was one of those situations where after you tee off, because it's so elevated, you have to go down like switchback type of a golf cart path to get the cart down to the bottom. And Roland had stopped and he was had his club in and he was fishing around for his golf ball, which he does a lot. Um, and the ranger came by and he said, oh, I wouldn't be in there. there was, I saw a rattlesnake just in those bushes earlier today. And we're like, Roland, get your ass back in the golf cart. That ball's gone. Let's go. And uh, so that is one thing I remember is you got to remember where you are, like respect the area, because we've come across some snakes. Yep. And some places where people tell you don't go in there because there are snakes, and we respect those rules while yep. uh, traveling. Alligators, also alligators in Florida. Yep, yep. But on that on that hole, I remember Tim and Roland were driving together, and I was in the other <laughs> cart by myself. <laughs> and after we hit, Roland can be a little unstable at times. Yes, <laughs> they lacks focus. Took off going down these switchbacks down this huge embankment and i just hear in front of me i i didn't even go i just stopped and listened <laughs> and i hear the screeching of tires yeah and i'm just waiting for the sound of the cart tumbling you know over down the down a big hill yeah yeah, oh, yeah he, he had to lock up the brakes i don't know why i let him drive on that course <laughs> that was, that a, was a poor decision uh on my yes. part yeah he, he definitely locked up the brakes coming into a hairpin turn and i was like he doesn't care about me or my safety at all. Like he's going to survive himself and whatever happens to me, he'll explain it to somebody else is, uh, right. is where he's at in life right now. Right. Yeah. I, my favorite things are um, uh, golf courses where there's just tons and tons of open scenery. Like when we can see mountains and lakes and um, a couple of rare occasions we've golfed where we can see the ocean, um, different kinds of nature. I, I think it's a, Traveling the country and seeing some of the really, really beautiful things outside of the Midwest has has been a big uh, hit for me. I don't know if I remember any holes. Um, the nicest course I think we've played was Indian Wells, um, where they used Paul to have Springs. the senior senior open or the whatever they used to call it senior PGA tour. Yeah. Um, where was that? 
Dan. That was in um Oh, it's Palm Springs, wasn't it? Palm Springs, California. That's right. It was so Yeah. hot during the summer that nobody golfs out there. Only idiots would go golfing in June in Palm Springs, California. And so it's cheap. So we went out there and golf for cheap. And we totally lucked out. It was only like 85 to 95 degrees while we were out there. It's normally 120. And so we got to golf at these places half off or even better. And the weather wasn't too bad. So that worked out pretty good. Indian Wells was a super nice place with where the amenities were crazy and the, the clubhouse was beautiful and, and all of the hills up and down throughout the uh, course. I mean, we golf terribly because it's a very, very challenging course and we were not up to that challenge, but we enjoyed the view though. Yeah. I still have those pictures uh, that you had taken. Um, I think it was in Vegas or Nevada where we golfed in those panoramic view pictures, the, the big Oh yeah. long ones. Yeah, yeah. And it was all the mountains in the background Yeah. on that one course in, in uh, Nevada. That was a that was a really nice course. I think we only golfed there once, Yep. but it, It's it was beautiful. it's pretty out there cuz the golf course is so wide open, you get to see a lot, you know? Like that's that's a cool thing about being on golf courses out there. Right, right. I I I haven't been able to go I haven't golfed a, a ton, but most of the golfing I've done has just kind of been, you know, in the Illinois area. Uh, and so there isn't a ton of view, like, you know, there's a golf course close to where my parents live, where it's just kind of, it kind of goes back and forth. There's a neighborhood around, there's just a road. It's, it's a nice course, but it's just, it, you're there for the golf. And I, I imagine that being able to see, especially with mountains or like an ocean in the background, that, that sounds It's like cool. a really nice day of golf. Yeah. Another Yeah, those course are our that stands favorite out. things. Sorry, go ahead, Dan. Oh, another course that stands out for me was in Colorado. We were in Avon. It's a big ski resort. Yeah. And so the course was built into the mountains. It was so it was really beautiful. Yeah. Sounds Hey, great. now, did you hurt yourself in Avon, Colorado at all, Dan? Um, Just so you know, I don't Dan, think so. he did this to me on last week's uh, or last time's po podcast episode, too. Uh, <laughs> when I was hiking in Hawaii, he reminded me of that. So, okay. That I know that's what he does. I don't think I got hurt in Avon, did oh, I? as I recall, you did. <laughs> we all paid to take a class on whitewater kayaking on this uh, Whitewater Rapids River that goes down the mountain. And we went to get up that morning to go whitewater kayaking. Dan, <laughs> Dan's facial expression is now saying, ah, oh, shit, he's right. Dan got up in the morning, had a bowl of cereal, went to walk to put the cereal bowl on the counter and absolutely face planted on the floor because his knee buckled and went out. And um, I had had we, surgery on that knee about a year before that, <laughs> and it's just never been the same. it just buckled on him. So we called and said, hey, guys, we can't. We can't come kayaking. Our guy got hurt this morning. They weren't that happy about it. They told us we were losing our deposit. And I was like, well, it's either lose the deposit or lose Dan in the middle of the river. We're going to, we're going to let go of the deposit, I think. And, um, th but this is how great Dan is though. And he, he's always been this way. He was like, you guys go ahead. You guys have fun. It's not your fault. I'll just hang around here. And a lot of times we have taken him up on that. Uh, we could get into some of those stories later if you want to, but, um, This time we just said, no, we're not going to go and leave Dan behind. So we, uh, not too far from the condo, a short walk, we went to um, a video store and we just rented a whole bunch of videos. And for two or three days for that particular vacation, we just, we just hung out and caught up on some movies, which is also fun. Yeah.
I mean, yeah, I was going to say that's that's not a bad way to spend a weekend or, you know, a couple of days. That's right. That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> you bounced back, though. Um, we did go golfing after that. A couple of days yeah. later, he was on the golf yeah, course. Yeah, we did. Yep. True. Yep. Dan's a trooper. Yeah. That was in Colorado. It's a sleepy town in the summer. You know, in, yeah. in the winter, I can imagine it's tons of skiers. But in the summer, it's pretty sleepy. Um. Of course, I, okay, I'll I'll say it right now. Of course, I went over the side of a mountain <laughs> on a mountain you bike. You did fall off. <laughs> you did fall off. I wasn't going to bring that up, Dan. <laughs> uh, I know it was going to come up eventually, so I'm getting it out there. Okay. Um, we decided to. Uh, that it was it was a Colorado river trip. That was right. So that we were in Utah. Yeah. And we drove down to the Grand Canyon rafted for a few days and then we came back to utah we had one day left to go find something to do and we went we went mountain biking and um dan was in trouble before we even hit the trail honestly they're gonna drop us at a point and they said well no why don't we just take you right to the top of the mountain we're Mm -hmm. like okay great so there was a couple of like experienced guys that were with us and they took off right away so I'm like, okay. So I went with them and there was a turn in the road and the road was gravel and I tried to make the turn. I couldn't, I was going too fast. And apparently I don't remember this, but Roland said, I tried to do the Fred Flintstone stop, put my he feet did. down <laughs> he did. and nope, didn't make it over. I went, so, I was just, I was just ahead of him. And, you know, Dan's uh, both Dan and Roland said, I, you know, I'll try mountain biking. I don't, it's been a while since I've been on a bike since I was a kid. So, and I, I thought, okay, well, let's go on a giant mountain in Utah. That probably nothing will go wrong. That right. gravel road was so hard to keep control of uh, brakes and steering because we're going down a mountain. You don't need to pedal. You let go of the brake, you go. And the road just kept going around a, like a spiral around that peak of that mountain. And I looked back because I was struggling. I was like, let me see how Dan's going. And I could see, he looked so nervous. Like he was death gripping the handlebars and his face looked all tense, you know? And, and I was like, this is not going to be good. So I couldn't keep looking though. I had to go make sure I didn't fall off the mountain, you know? And so I'd get squared away. I took another look and he did, he was dragging his feet and there was gravel dust coming up behind him. And I couldn't even see rolling behind him. There was so much gravel dust and he looked really nervous. And then I looked forward, made sure that I was squared away again. I look back and I see Dan's hands on the handlebars still, but his feet were over his head. And like, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming that you hit the front brake just uh, in a panic and the the tire just stopped and it threw him. And I was like, oh, that's not good. So I turn around, I look to make sure I'm okay. I skid to a stop. I turn back and he's gone. He's not even on the road anymore. Dan fell off the mountain. And it wasn't the first time that I thought to myself, I'm going to have to go through his phone and call his family. Like he actually, we lost him off the top of a mountain. But fortunately, quite fortunately, it wasn't a giant cliff. It was a like a gentle rolling hill, but it was filled with lots of boulders. And Dan went off the boulders like a pinball machine and broke his glasses and broke his foot. It was a it was an initial drop of probably like fifteen feet when you went off the road and then you went down about fifteen feet. Yeah. And and I hit and I flipped. And when I flipped my you know, leg whipped around and my leg slammed into the ground. Luckily actually luckily that's the only thing I broke was my seriously my big toe. that could have been much worse. Yeah. Yeah. 
I've I've heard shorter versions of the story before. I never realized that the fall was that uh, that treacherous. I mean, geez, lucky you. That could have been way worse. Yeah, yeah, I could have been trying to go back home on a plane carrying all my luggage with a broken leg. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, uh, I'm gonna do the end of this story quickly. Uh, a guy comes up and he's like, "Hey, I can take you back down." Like he was with another biking company, and Dan's. Um, the rim on his on his bike was bent to hell. He couldn't even get on it and ride it. And he wasn't much for it anyway. Um, yeah, at that point. So the guy comes by and he's like, I got room for two people. This is how I remember it. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But there was three of us. So I was like, Roland, why don't you go with Dan? And I'll I'll make my way down the hill. I'm I'm probably most competent on the bike. I would, we'll be fine. And Dan goes, you guys don't have to do that. Why don't you guys both go and enjoy it? And I'll meet you back at the condo. And we're like, okay, see ya. So we take off. We leave Dan with a stranger. He gets to the bottom of the hill. And then he didn't think it would take us that long to go down the mountain. But Roland, after seeing that, went so slow. It took us like four hours. And we get to the parking lot of the place. Dan's literally got blood all over his face and, and his legs. He's got the car door open in the parking lot and he's sleeping on the front seat. Now, if a little kid walks by and sees that, they're going to assume that, you know, there's a dead guy in the car. And uh, we get there like, Dan, why didn't you go back? He's like, I didn't think you guys would be this long. I know. I, I thought you'd be down in like 15, <laughs> 20 minutes. Yep. Oh, yeah. And then uh, the next day we, well, we took him to the urgent care, dropped him off to get x-rays and such, and then. Well, this is where we don't look like such good guys, but Roland and I went golfing while he was getting x-rayed. And um and then we 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 drove back to Las Vegas and um I had an earlier flight anyway. So this one's not really on me, but they offered Roland an earlier flight so he took it and left Dan with the big blue shoe, a broken foot and one uh one lens gone from his glasses to carry around his golf bag and his luggage for 8 hours in an airport. Kind of you. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I only had one lens in my glass. I had lost my contacts in the Colorado River when a that's big right. wave hit me that's in the right. face. And a shoe, I believe. Um, yeah, a but... shoe and a hat also were gone. <laughs> you know, Roland yeah. really doesn't come off that well in this story. He's a decent guy. He's a decent fellow, Roland. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, Those are some of the early uh... fun time share days. I think it was the next year that we said, why don't we scale this back a little bit and just concentrate on golf and baseball stadiums? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Now, speaking over, of that, we overdid um, kind of the, you know, one of the main themes here is the baseball thing. So let's yeah. let's get into that. Um, now, I know you guys have seen a ton of these stadiums together, uh, almost there with a complete list. Yep. Uh, and I'm at 17 right now, I want to say. One of them I don't count because it wasn't an official major league game, but I was right. there for the, the World Baseball Classic in Arizona. But um, but yeah, let's let's compare some notes here. Uh, you know, for first of all, of the stadiums you've been to, um, let's say what what I, I first of all, what's the best view you guys think they have? And we'll say as far as surroundings and just as far as the architecture. These are kind of two different ones, I guess, mm. but. Best architecture and best just view in general. All right. You want to go first, Dan? Yeah, I'll go. Um, okay. I couldn't narrow it down to just one stadium. Um, yeah. Because there's there's several that had 
really great views. Um, I really like Toronto. Um, I've been there a few times. I'm not sure if I was with you and Roland, but I climbed up to the very top row of the stadium okay. right next to the CN Tower. Okay. And that is just awesome. This huge CN Tower, which is the largest, tallest building in, in the Western Hemisphere, is like sitting right there in your face. And it when is I was, really... We went to a game, you and I and Roland there, but I thought it was close. Is that a, a convertible dome kind of stadium? Yeah, it is. Yep. Okay. So it was closed when I was there. So I missed out oh, on was that. It? Oh, you did. Okay. Yep. Oh, because yeah, the, the view of that CN Tower, it's it's literally right next to the stadium. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Um, yeah, because I I remember a few years ago, there was ice that formed on the CN Tower and it fell, oh. and punctured holes in the uh, roof of the baseball stadium. Okay. So yeah, it is a retractable dome. Is that still um, the Sky Dome, technically? It's called the Rogers right. Center now. Hmm. I mean, I, but is is that just renamed or did they yeah. build a new stadium? No, it's, it's renamed. Yeah, yeah, it was originally a Sky Dome. Yep. Dan's oh, the okay. official yeah. on this. He has a book that explains every single one of them. That's right. That's true. <laughs> I haven't gotten to the early. I, I made it to like around 1930s in my book. Okay. What? Uh, so you said you had a couple. What else uh, was um, was another good view? The other one I liked was Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's an area of the stadium where you can go up near the top and sit, and you can see the Cincinnati River. It's I think it's Cincinnati River, isn't it? The Ohio River. Is it the Ohio? Okay. I think and you can see the river, and it, it's a really cool view. It's a beautiful view. Yes. Yeah. I agree. And the other nice one, San stadium Francisco. in general too. Yeah, it, it's a beautiful stadium. Yep. The other yeah. one, San Francisco, when you can walk up there and look out on the bay. Right. That, that's yeah. really awesome. We were enamored with that for a while. Dan and I, uh, I think we went to that one by ourselves. I think that was just you and I. Um, maybe Roland was there. Uh, no, there Roland was, little... was there because we got the picture uh, of the Willie Mays mitt with the three of us. Oh, okay. Okay. That's right. There was a little while where uh, he took a break. He's got a lot of kids, so he had some fathering to do. Um, we were in left field in the bleachers. And just to kind of explore a little bit, uh, we walked around into center field underneath that Coke bottle, which is a slide for kids. I didn't know that before I got there. And then that big old glove. And if you go behind the center field bleachers, there's like this giant pavilion with people like dancing. I think they're even playing like they have a DJ playing music back there and um, bunches of different kinds of food and beers. It's like a separate party. Like these people pay to go to see a baseball game. And they go to a dance club in center field. It, it makes no sense to me. However. Sounds like San Francisco, though. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. If you keep going and go around to right field, you get to stand on that sidewalk. Um, and you look as you're going from left field to right field. If you look to your left, you can see the bay with kayaks waiting to catch home run balls. And uh, you look to the right and you see the right field bleachers and you can see the the field and watch the game happen. Like that's a pretty cool place to stand and just kind of take it in. Yeah, Covington Bay is that what to... that's called? Covington, um, the, the Bay, corner, or the... something like that. Covington Corner. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Not that smart. I kind of have to agree with you guys on view. I mean, that's one of mine for sure. Is San Francisco? Um, I sat on the opposite side of the stadium from where you guys are saying, because I was actually like in the stands kind of behind home plate, but up on the second level. And when I was doing research for like what seats I should get, um, I kind of figured, oh, 
I should sit higher so I can see the bay and everything in the background. And that's so anybody goes to a baseball game in San Francisco, which I think we'd all probably highly suggest. Yeah. Uh, sit higher if you can, because you get a great view that way. And yeah, you can see the bay behind. And also you can kind of see mountains off and kind of like the left side, like way over there. It's yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Um, and then seeing kind of the sunset there too, if you're there for an evening game was just phenomenal. Sure. And then I remember um, that was one of the first stadiums I went to where uh, it's designed so that you can just walk an entire lap around the thing and not have to go up any stairs or anything like that. Or, you know, Wrigley like Field, you, you got to have bleacher tickets just to get to the bleachers. You know, you can, right. you, can you can go back and forth, but you can't just take a lap around. And uh, so that's there are others that have it that way that I've been to since. But that was the first one where I went, oh, this is this is kind of nice, nice and convenient. So. Yeah, of course, Wrigley is just gorgeous. Um, you're you're not at a baseball game. You're in the middle of the city. Like you just the way that stadium is carved into that neighborhood is uh, one of yeah. the best things in all of baseball. Um, yeah, I, I will for, say just that, for the record to yeah. everybody that's listening, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of bias to this one. <laughs> but Wrigley's pretty much my favorite for most of these. Uh, and But I think it, I honestly think it holds up. You know, now that I've been to a little over half of them, I still, I just, I, there's nothing like Wrigley Field. There's just, it, you know, everything that we love about it, view-wise and everything, sure. But there's just a vibe when you're at a game at Wrigley Field that's like, it's indescribable and it's it's not like anything else. Uh, that you have experienced in any any sporting event or anything like that. It's just different. And, and I, I totally agree with that. You know, one thing that's not as cool about Wrigley as it used to be, uh, they've done some major updates to that place over the last 10 years, and all of them are fantastic. Uh, new scoreboards mm-hmm. and jumbotrons, and they've opened up, um, uh, bought some of the area around and and made some little parks to hang out in and They've done a whole bunch of great things to that stadium. However, the rooftops on the other side of the street are no longer all full. And when I went and saw my first game there would be early 90s. Um, You only had the one scoreboard in center field. And even the bleachers weren't that tall. And so every building uh, in the right and left field had the stadium seating, which everybody knows, but they were all full. Like it was like a third deck up there of people watching the game. And so the the view of the crowd in in the different levels of Wrigley Field itself and then across the street was uh, this. It was just such an amazing thing to see and be part of. Yeah. And and I think the crowd at Wrigley is kind of part of the attraction to it is right. the fans. Yeah. So when you had it is just like you said, it's kind of all part of the city. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think those updates were necessary, but that is kind of the unfortunate downside of that. Uh, and I have to kind of take a little shot at St. Louis because now they have a thing (laughs) where they're like, Ooh, look at our rooftop seats. And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) screw you guys. Um, there's also a little bit of bias that goes into that one too. Yes. Uh, all right. So let me ask you this guys, um, of all the places that you've been to, uh, best food, which stadiums? Stadium or stadiums have the best food. Tim and I are probably going to vary quite differently on this. I'm sure. Because yeah. Tim doesn't really like seafood. Nope. And uh, so the my best two were uh, San Diego 
they had this like awesome cod fish sandwich that I had mm. uh, in San Diego. And, um, and then in Seattle, I had this like shrimp dish that was just awesome for, for a baseball game. I mean, That's you know, cool. you can go the traditional hot dogs and, and all that, but I like, I like the little bit, you know, different cuisine, you know, other, other than hot dogs, but I think I tried a hot dog in almost every stadium that I went yeah. to. I definitely had a stadium in every hot dog that we've been to. And so that's, that's the best thing I could do is tell you the best hot dog as far as cuisine is concerned, as Dan puts it. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to point out to you real quick, uh, Larson, you just said you've had a stadium in every hot dog that you went to. (laughs) We we can play that back on the recording. Oh no, I I think we should keep that one in. That's great. I'm leaving it. I'm not even going to, I'm not editing that out. We can leave that right where it is. That's awesome. I've had a hot dog in every stadium. I was trying to get back at Dan for saying the word cuisine in such a fancy way to make me feel bad about myself is what happened there. Uh, and I, I, Toronto was by far the best for me. Um, okay. yeah. They had they didn't just have like a hot dog stand. They had every kind of uh, like beef hot dog, Italian sausage, uh, brats, like and and every one of them had several different flavors like. I specifically remember having a blue cheese brat there. Um, and uh, th- just those options there were pretty killer. Um, and so, I, yeah, I would say my best hot dog was in Toronto. Okay. That sounds pretty good, too. All right. Um, I, I also have two, much like Dan. So um, for the first one was in San Francisco. Uh, the, the day before I had been in an Oakland athletics game, um, and I'll, I'll get to that for one of our next questions, but a guy there told, uh, had put me on to a crab sandwich at the, the giant stadium. And I was like, all right, it's $16, but they, he said it's worth it. And so I did. And oh boy, it was worth it. I, you know, and I mean, it's San Francisco. They probably caught it that day, you know? Yeah. So of course it was good, yeah. but I, it was, oh, it was just phenomenal one of my favorite parts of that stadium was that sandwich um the other one uh i went to cleveland and as i arrived i arrived at the game like i walked through the gates right as the game started i was on a little bit of a road trip and i just barely made it kind of on time so i didn't have a lot of of a chance to research you know food and what i should look for while i was there so i go over to one of those uh one of those counters where you can just kind of stand and eat that some of those stadiums have now Um, was on my phone looking and there was some like pulled pork grilled cheese type sandwich. So I went and I found it and, you know, ordered it. The lady that was, was there at the counter was super friendly. I put in the order. She goes pulled pork, you know, goes, looks back, yells the order. So I go and I have it. It was so good and I was still hungry. And so, you know, probably to the detriment of my health, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go have another one. So I went down there and yeah. And, uh, and told the, you know, kind of just chatting it up with this lady because she was so friendly. And I told her, hey, you know what? The sandwich is great. I'm going to have another one of those. And so she went, all right. Yeah, sweet. Good idea. Looks back, pulled pork. And then she looks at me again and goes, (laughs) don't tell anybody. Nice. And then she looks back and goes, another pulled pork. So she she orders two of them and only has me pay for one. So she, she gave me a buy one, get one th- free just because, you know, we were getting along so well. 
And that was a really nice gesture, except now this is my second and third sandwich. <laughs> and to to answer the question, I'm sure is on your mind. Yes, I ate both of them. Of course I did. <laughs> and it was, I want to say it was worth it. I'm not sure. I guess my heart will probably tell me within the next 10 years <laughs> if it was worth it or not. But uh, it was it was a lot. But it was also uh, delicious. So you got to watch the ninth inning a little bloated, is what you're saying. I got to watch the uh, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth inning a little bloated. <laughs> I wonder if that lady still works there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bet she does. I'm sure she does. Pull pork! <laughs> That's great. All right, guys, so uh, I have a question then. Um, we've talked about right. architecture and food. Uh, the real fun thing that I've noticed, and I, I write about this a little bit in this blog entry, is different fans in different stadiums uh, watching the home fans cheer is really cool. Uh, when we were in Atlanta, they're doing the, the chop, you know, the tomahawk thing, which I don't oh, know yeah. if they still do. Of course there's, you know, everything's controversial uh, nowadays. I don't know if you're supposed to do that, if they do it or what they still but do it. The thing is um, it was just kind of a cool thing to see all the fans doing it. Like they, we haven't, I've been, yeah. been in a game where people do that kind of thing. And so that was the first thing I saw. And then at different stadiums, they have different traditions. They have different cheers, and they they have different fan bases as far as passion for their team. Like, Yankees fans are a weird cultish thing. Um, and I would say Red Sox fans are as well. So just with that in mind, my question to you guys is, what's the what's your favorite interaction with fan bases or at least favorite interaction with fan bases as you've been going to stadiums mike let's go to you first we've been talking the whole time uh so there there are a couple I, i'll i'll skip past this part wrigley's number one of course it's just nothing like it we already covered that uh i'd, I'd have two others i spent kind of a lot of time in boston for my job and it, two, at two separate times so i've been to kind of a handful of Red Sox games. And I kind of have that, just that little sentimental connection to Red Sox fans. But uh, towards the end of my second stint in Boston, a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in a decade texted me asking, Hey, you've been to Fenway, right? I and was asking me a few questions about going to a game, you know, is it safe to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I told her, Hey, you know, I was just there, a few weeks ago and it was like this and she went wait are you in boston right now like, yeah you want to go to a red sox game she had gone she was gonna visit a friend that weekend but it accidentally booked her plane ticket a day early so she figured she'd just go see a red sox game so and she was so just i got to catch with up you. with this she was just checking in with you to ask about going to a game at the stadium not realizing you were in boston yeah and nice. uh, and so we were just like, oh, cool. So we we met up for uh, for dinner. We had lobster rolls uh, in the middle of the city. And then we just uh, went over to Fenway and I got to catch up with my friend that I hadn't seen in 10 years in person. Uh, and it was great. It was absolutely just absolute blast. I think that was probably my favorite that. And then my my buddy Kevin and I went to one a month before. But. I uh, but that was maybe my favorite state uh, experience I had out of all the times I went to Fenway. But the uh, the other part of that is it just happened to be Red Sox Yankees. Yeah, 
you know, I've, yeah. I've been to Giants Dodgers. I've been to plenty of Cubs Cardinals. I never actually expected that I'd have the opportunity to see Red Sox Yankees. Now they, this was last year. They were the bottom two of their division, right? which isn't yes, normal. Were. Normally. Yeah. Normally they're right at the top there. Um, but for whatever reason, these teams were both very, very bad this year. And that rivalry was as heated as ever. It was hilarious. At just the Red Sox and Yankees fans yelling and chanting and cheering at each other. Anytime something would happen that was good for one and bad for the other, just to let you know, you hear the the mix of of cheers and boos, and you could kind of feel that edge to the cheers where it was like, yeah, go us and also screw you. You know, there was kind of that <laughs> little edge to them. And my my friend and I had a blast just catching up, but also just people listening. It, not so even not not even so much watching, but just listening to the fans yell at each other. Just oh, this is great. So that was a lot of fun. Sure. Uh, I think outside of Wrigley and Fenway, my my favorite overall fan experience was in Oakland. Oakland A's. I, yeah. Huh. And I, I I feel pretty bad for that fan base that uh that fan base right now for yeah, sure. everything that's right. you know going on with the team. They're moving them, but they're unsure how it's you know. But you know, architecture wise, Coliseum's a dump. Yes, yes, it you is. You know, it's it's ugly. it is not a nice stadium at all. It's uh, a concrete box. Right? Yes, right. It's it's just not. It, it yeah. Not all that. I'll say this though. I interrupt you for just a second. This is the one thing that I really enjoyed about being there is we were there to watch a game and they had stands for football games that are kind of covered over uh, because you don't need that many for a baseball game. And, and they had like logos for Raiders stuff there. And you could see all the names of the Raiders players in there. I don't know if they call it a ring of honor there or what. But then you also see like Ricky Henderson's name and Reggie Jackson's name. And there's an awful lot of outstanding athletes that have been in that building. So I enjoyed being in a building where those people had been. But you're right. It's a dump. There, yes, there there is a lot of sports history for multiple sports in that building. That's true. But it's just it's very run down. However, I'll tell you what, once you get past the actual concourse with the concrete that, you know, has a faint tinge of urine just kind of baked into it and just people trying to buy your bobbleheads with a giant clear garbage bag full of bobbleheads like hey can i buy your bobblehead i know what you're doing do you i mean you know can you be a little less obvious about it yeah uh but once you actually went and sat down in the stands it wasn't too bad and i ended up sitting next to this guy that was close to my age. He was there with his girlfriend who just seemed uninterested the whole time. She was just, you know, doing her own thing. And this guy and I just chatted up the entire game. Like even during the seventh inning stretch, uh, as they're starting to sing, take me out to the ball game, he leans over, he goes, you can say cubbies. And I went, yeah, I was gonna, but thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you for not punching me when I said the wrong word. Yeah. I, but we just, I mean, we talked, we talked baseball for most of the time, a little bit of life, but, like we exchange numbers we still text baseball things to each other every once in a while like a couple times a year that's cool uh so it was just a really cool experience personally but i remember just kind of having that feel like hey these fans are all kind of in this together you know i'm used to the portrayal of oakland fans being just rowdy and just a little crazy and i'm sure there's some truth to that but 
Yeah, I was kind of surprised by how much of a family atmosphere there was. It was a little, you know, there were little quizzes. They had somebody going around with a microphone in between innings and asking people questions and the crowd would all cheer for them if they get it right and everything. And then through one round of the batting order for the for the A's, there was some local kindergarten where the students had drawn portraits of the players. And so for one round of the batting order, instead of their actual pictures, they showed these portraits of the oh, kindergartner. Oh, on the Jumbotron. Like when they come yeah. up to bat. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, that's adorable. That's like, pretty come cool. on. Yeah. You know. So I I really, despite the fact that Oakland would probably go at the bottom of my list for most other categories, it overall kind of at least got up there just because the fan experience is so much fun. And I, I had a really, really good day there until uh, my car, my rental car stalled in the parking lot. And so I thought maybe I'd be adopted into a family of seagulls in, for a while. In Oakland. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In Oakland late at night, um, wandering around by yourself. So That's I. I went from a very, very pleasant day to a very <laughs> nerve wracking uh, afternoon in the evening. Yeah. I finally I finally got it to work and I crossed the bridge in San Diego or San Francisco. I'm sorry. Yeah. Which was its own thing. Point. But <laughs> but yeah, I there was a point where I was yelling and swearing like I am not getting stuck at, in Oakland. Like, <laughs> but uh, but the game itself was just a very it was a lot of fun i had a it was one of my favorite experiences on that trip you know i i wrote uh dan i don't know if you know this or not i i saw all five california stadiums in five days oh wow um, that's cool yeah so i i had a buddy that used to live in atlanta and so he got married down there and you know a group of us were his groomsmen and we were holding out on plane tickets for a while because the the bachelor party is supposed to be in New Orleans. So we're holding out and holding out and holding out. And finally, a couple of us buy our tickets. And the night I bought my ticket, I texted the guy that was the best man. And I said, hey, uh, do you need help looking for something to do in New Orleans for the group? And he texted back, oh, we're doing this in Chicago now. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so I mentioned it. <laughs> a couple nights later, I saw the group, or maybe the next night, uh, I saw a couple other of guys that were in the wedding party and i said hey when did the chicago thing happen and they went what chicago thing so that that had its own can of worms as it was anyway that leads to me having a whole bunch of airline credit i had to use by a certain amount of time so i looked out east i looked kind of down in the southeast like the florida georgia area and then i looked out west and it looked like the most bang for the, my buck I was going to get was and based on the schedule and the cost and everything was to go out and do that. So I did all five of the California stadiums uh, in five days. And I wrote a little blog article about it for another website, the Fancy Boys Club. I, I really, I you know, I, I wrote that article that was kind of ranking some of these things that we're talking about today just for oh, those yeah. five stadiums. And uh, I... I don't know how the fans were. You you said it was kind of a dance party in San Francisco. Depending on I... where you went. Like, that's where a certain group was. Yeah. But the ones who were watching the game were probably a little more uh, like what I was used to as a kid, a little more blue-collar type people watching the game yeah. and being focused on it. So I had a pretty pleasant experience in Dodger Stadium as well. Um, and as far as the view goes, I'd have to say... Uh, Dodger Stadium has one of the best too. With uh, during the daytime, with Chavez Ravine in the background, but 
Uh, and then the other one would be Pittsburgh for me as far as view goes. But, you know, I, I let off with a couple of really pleasant fan experiences. And then I went to San Francisco. I got to tell you, I, I felt very lonely. You know, the that old lyric, the the loneliest or the coldest winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. Yeah, that was absolutely the case. I was up there. It was windy. It was surprisingly cold. And all the fans are just kind of separated. The loudest cheer of the night was for the bat boy running out and grabbing a hamburger wrapper off of the pitcher's mound. <laughs> that was the loudest pop that anybody got that night. And Madison Baumgartner was pitching. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, it was it was just a very it was kind of a lonelier experience as far as baseball went. So that would probably be one of my least. To be fair, but, yeah, I the bat boy probably doesn't get to go run out to the mound very often. You might as well let him hear it. I'm I'm not faulting the bat boy. I'm glad he got <laughs> you know his due. Yeah, but that was the only person that really got an actual cheer. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I was a little surprised by that. But anyway. Yeah. So what about you guys? You know, I've been kind of going on and on about this. What about you guys for your favorite fan experiences? Well, let me do a transitional thing here. Dan, uh, we'll talk about your favorite or least favorite fan experiences. But would you, because this will make me look really bad, would you like to run down our experience at the Dodgers game at the end of the game? Yeah, we, we can run down that experience. <laughs> what happened? Do you want, do you want me to, to say the experience or are you? I think you better. And yeah, why don't you go ahead and tell us what happened? Because I feel like this is going to embarrass uh, Mr. Larson over here, and I'm excited for that. Yeah, so uh, we go to the Dodgers game. We we have good seats. We got Tim bought some tickets. They were you know right close to the field. I think we're uh, in left field. Yep. Um, like third row from like, the yeah outfield. Um. Bad. There were, there were really nice seats, and and there was a deal where we could go up into this like restaurant and get food. Out. Did we have to buy the food, or was it all free? No, the uh, included in the, the price. food was all free. You had to buy a beer, which was pretty cheap. They were like these VIP tickets that got us into a VIP lounge. Right, right. Which so we'd go wonderful. up there, and we were getting the food and beer, and taking it back to our seats, and you know, it was all everything was all great, and. So then Tim decides. Well, notably, there's no cutoff for time. Normally, like at the sixth inning or seventh inning, they're like, that's it for beer sales. That's not true in the VIP lounge. Right. And so I was interested in taking advantage of that. And I made a little mistake. Yeah. So we go up to the to the lounge because Tim wanted one more beer. (laughs) And. We were trying to leave, and I believe it was like a security guy. He's like, hey, you can't take that beer out into the stands. That's how I remember it. Oh, okay. So we could get it, but we couldn't take it in the stadium anymore. For the, I get it. Right. We right. were we were locked into this uh, little restaurant area here, um, restaurant bar area. So we were, you know, so we were relegated to watching the game on the TV. <laughs> and... Um, you know, I I was going to suggest that Tim just gulp the beer down and we go back to the seats, but you know, it, you know, it's like ten, twelve dollar beer, so I didn't want to rush him. So then the game, uh, it's a it's a close game. It goes into the uh, bottom, bottom of the, of the ninth. ninth. 
Bottom yep. of the ninth, yeah. I was trying to remember if it was extra innings, but no, it was the bottom, yeah, it was of, the bottom ninth. of the ninth. And the Dodgers win the game in the bottom of the ninth. And we're up in this little restaurant bar area watching on TV. How, how did they win the game, Dan? <laughs> that was a walk-off homer, wasn't it? It was a grand slam home run yeah. to end the game. Yes. Yeah. Which we watched from a bar. <laughs> nice, yeah. uh, nice work there, Tim. That's yeah. And then to get back at Tim, no, this wasn't, this had no, nothing to do with that. But we were stuck um, trying to find a bathroom for Tim because he had gulped down so many beers and we couldn't yeah. find one. It, it took us a long time. Tim was like ready to pee his pants. Yep. And uh, before we finally found some little restaurant that we could go into and he could go to the bathroom. We stopped at a couple of places, didn't we? Like a gas station, and they didn't I have so. a bathroom. I think so. LA is not that nice when you want to use their bathrooms in the gas stations. They're not yep. that nice to you. <laughs> so, so that was our experience at Dodger Stadium. Um, a little sidebar: my my dad used to work for Ford, and the last like five years they worked there, he was uh, he would go to California a lot on business. Mm-hmm. And he went there in 88 and oh. during the first game of the Dodgers World Series. And so That's he's when at, Gibson hit the home run, right? Yeah. He's always at work, you know, and and some of the people at, you know, the managers, whoever, like, hey, we have these tickets to the game tonight. Nobody wants to go. You know, if you want them, but nobody's going to go with you because nobody wants them. My dad's like, okay, I'll go. So he went and he was like fourth row behind the A's dugout. For the Gibby Homer. That's amazing. Yep. Wow. That's not just a home run. That is one of the most legendary home runs in the history of baseball. Yep. That's an all-timer. Yeah. That's cool. Um, but uh moving on past the Dodgers here. (laughs) Uh (laughs) little little my bad. Yeah, a little little rough memory there. Um but oddly enough, the I wrote down the best fans were Oakland, because oh, did it? yeah, because they you know they've stunk for a while now, but their fans were going crazy. They yeah. got the they got the drums beaten, they got the people cheering. It's like your team stinks, but you're still really into the game, and you're really rooting for your team. So I thought that was pretty cool of the Oakland. As fans. Detroit fans, we can you know we can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of fan bases that when the team stinks, you, you know they don't cheer much and they don't do much but oakland was really getting into the, the game that we went to no uh, um, the angels were definitely that way because the that was that was the game after san francisco and i think about the qu- a quarter of the stadium was full uh mike trout had just gone on the dl the day before which i was pissed about sure um but i ended up talking to just one of the ushers for most of the game who later showed me how to sneak into better seats. Just, he's like, Hey, you want to see how you can sneak into better seats? I was like, sure. Um, I ended up sitting next to a couple of people like this older couple. And the guy happened to be a, a fan from Cleveland. And so as soon as he realized I was a Cubs fan, he started giving me dirty looks and <laughs> saying, you ruined our story. And I was like, okay, let's be Frank. That was our story. Yeah. We had the longer drought. Better Sorry, story. man. Yeah. You were in our way. But yeah, I Anaheim was just, they weren't any good. Shohei hadn't really broken out yet and uh, to what he is now. And Trout had just gotten out of the lineup like 
a day or two before. And so it just, there was, it was, it felt empty. So I know what you mean on that. There are fan bases that are just like, Nope. Yep. I do have one special shout out to the, uh, Kansas city fans because, because the chicks were hot in Kansas. That was, that was a weird experience. Yeah. Like I, it was like, we felt like we got tickets to a game that we weren't supposed to have because it was like beautiful woman day at the stadium. I thought yes. Dan was going to need a chiropractor the next morning. It, it was very surprising. It was pleasantly <laughs> surprised. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, not, not um, in the same way. I, when I was in Cincinnati, we went for take your dog to the ballpark day. And that was, mm. that was a pleasant surprise, obviously in a much different way, but right. Um, they were all very well-behaved dogs. I can tell you that. So and I'll I can, tell you, and I can give a, a one more here. Sorry. Yep. Go ahead. I can, I can give you a, the weirdest fans. Was definitely Tampa Bay. Those those people were crazy. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. They, they the cowbell situation. I don't, yeah. What? It, weird weird cowbells. Weird yelling at each other. Oh god. Weird. It it was like being at a family reunion where the family doesn't like each other very much. Right. Uh, in the first place, there's hardly anybody there, so everything that everybody says echoes because there's nobody in the stadium. Like. You know, you've seen the stuff on TV. They have like 5,000 people at a game. Well, we were sitting behind home plate and there were the season ticket holders there and they talked to each other the entire game about anything but baseball really loudly. And Dan and I are like trying to watch a game here. Anybody else feel like watching a game? We moved several times to try and get away from it, but you you really couldn't. Yeah. I got moved by this guy. It was a a bad (laughs) experience. Yeah. Well, the guy got up and his pants didn't is basically how that happened. It, it was an unintentional uh, situation. But, but wear underwear fucking yeah. on your shirt. What the hell? Or a belt. That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Any of those things would have helped uh, Dan out. Um, yeah. Dan, he what almost, about you? He almost threw up his cuisine at that moment. Um, <laughs> oh, I bet. I really, I find that uh, anytime you're at a baseball game and it's somewhat close and the home team either, you know, scores on a double or a hit and run or a home run and everybody turns around and high fives people you don't even know. uh, I love that. Like, like, that's just great. Um, You just turn around, high five somebody and then you're just friends, you know, from that moment on. So I have found that all over the uh, country. Uh, I will talk about my least favorite experiences Um, in the first place. Houston a couple of years ago where Dan tried to get uh, bit by snakes on the golf course. Um, I was sitting next to a man who is very sure that the Houston Astros. Yes. Those Houston Astros are the best franchise in the history of major league baseball. Um, He was just like, this is where baseball belongs. Look how great the stadium is. Look how great the team is. And I know that recently they've had a really, really good run. But it's like, dude, you're you were with the Oakland A's for years, you know, decades of being a terrible team. And you cheated. <laughs> you come on, man. But he, this guy just wouldn't shut up. And uh Dan, um, good buddy that he is, uh, was in the opposite side of me and didn't have to deal with the guy and never offered to switch seats. So I talked to that guy the whole time. And um, uh, just a strong, you know, Texas kind of accent and a lot of home pride, uh, a little extra home pride, if you know what I mean. 
but that's not the worst. Texas accent, Texas attitude. Yes, all of that. Uh, just complete irrational. Uh, but the worst, almost like the best and the worst, happened at Fenway, uh, which I know you have some experience with. Um, mm -hmm. Dan and I, oh, maybe, Dan, you weren't there. Roland and I went first, and you didn't go. There was a year that you didn't go, and I think Roland Correct. and I went to Fenway the first time. So we went back a second time because Dan hadn't been there. That's why I went twice. So I'm there wearing a Cubs jersey. Roland and I are just kind of taking the city in. We went to a, a pub before, um, get into the stadium, check out the green is monster. This the first and... time or the best? Th this is before? Before they won the okay, World Series. sorry, go ahead. Yep, they are still in the long drought, the 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 curse of the Bambino drought. And so I'm walking around and I'm having a beer. We're in the concourse. And a guy comes up to me and says, man, could you imagine the Cubs and the Red Sox in the World Series, that would be the best thing baseball's ever seen. And he's high-fiving me and Hanch. I think the guy hugged me like we're, like we're best friends for the rest of our lives now. And, I, you know, it's teams that haven't had success kind of gravitate towards each other. The fan bases do, you know, like we were, yeah. we were real good buddies and I wished him well and we went and watched the rest of the game. They weren't even playing the Cubs. They were playing the Angels, I think. And then when we had to take that walk along the expressway to get back on the subway there, after the game, the whole fan base is just cheering, Yankees suck, Yankees suck. They didn't even play the Yankees that day. There was no reason for them to be cheering that. But loud as they could, Yankees suck the whole time. And I was like, I understand. I understand the pain. I'm a Detroit sports fan. I understand pain, believe me. So, and a Cubs fan. Yeah, and a Cubs fan, yeah. I really, I've done it to myself. Um, years later, when Dan does go back to uh, New England with us, we go again so that Dan can go to the stadium. And they had one. And that fan base had turned into the biggest assholes I've ever seen in my life. Uh, again, I have a Cubs fan on. And we're there before you can get into the gate. You know how they have the street kind of um, partioned off and, you know, you're walking around there having a beer yeah. on the street. And this girl comes up to me like this, you know, I want to say like a college aged, hot headed girl. Uh, you know, just in think Boston. Yeah. Just think like drunk Jersey Shorish. You know what I mean? Like she's just all mm -hmm. attitude. She literally like grabs me from behind on top of my shoulder and turns me around and gets right in my face. Like she's going to throw a punch and starts yelling at me. Who do you think you are wearing that Jersey in my town? And I was like, I don't even know you. I, what? I don't understand all this aggression. What is your problem? And she's, you don't come into my town and wear that shit here. And I was like, okay, in the first place, you're playing the Chicago White Sox, and this is a Cubs jersey. I don't like them either. <laughs> We're on the same team here. I'm rooting for the Red Sox. You should stop drinking your alcohol. It makes you angry. And uh, God, she just got right in my face. She was like pointing, you know, like the side of my head and, and yelling. And I just thought to myself, you people turned into everything you hated about Yankees fans. The day you won that World Series, that's what happened to you guys. And um, I, I just felt like the overall tone of the fan base was different when we went the second time. The hunger wasn't there anymore, and there was a little more entitlement going on in the in the mm -hmm. fan base. Yeah, and you got to be careful about the the drunk women because you, you can't say anything, you can't do much to them because you know the six foot eight boyfriend's probably going to walk up any second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you might not see him out of the corner of your eye. I was just trying. I was just trying to calm her down. Like, right. I don't think you're yelling at me for a reason. You should be yelling at me. I, you know, same team here. I 
So before yeah. we uh, before we go to the the last part of this, I actually have one more at the Boston related fan story. When I my first few days there my, on my first contract, I noticed the Boston accent once in a while, but it didn't seem that common. I thought, oh, maybe it was kind of, you know, maybe it's a little overblown that people say everybody from Boston, you know, talks like yeah. park the car, that Boston. whole thing. Yeah, park the car. Uh, yeah. Right. And and I thought, oh, okay, maybe it's a little overblown. Like when I was in North Dakota, uh, I was expecting everybody to be, oh, you betcha, you know, but <laughs> right. It, that only happened once in a while. So I figured it was kind of like that until the first night I walked into Fenway Park. I, I walk right in the gates and there's the concession stand and I'm waiting in line. And there's a guy in front of me, kind of this shorter guy. You know, sometimes you you see somebody and if you look at him, you can just kind of guess generally how they're going to sound. Well, in this case, my guess was 100% wrong. <laughs> uh because this guy is just kind of just quiet, just sitting, you know, standing in front of me. And we get up to the counter and he just suddenly leans very aggressively towards the counter. And the guy behind him, he goes, Italian sausage, like in his very <laughs> Boston-y. That wasn't that great. But just in the most Boston accent you could imagine, just a rough thing. I went, whoa, whoa, where did where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. And after that happened i it was suddenly like my ears just turned on and i heard it everywhere <laughs> everybody's sure. boston accent just started coming out of the woodwork i went wow it is a real thing and so uh another game i'd gone to i ended up sitting next to this this kind of older couple they were super friendly had a great time just chatting the entire time and they had heavy boston accents too my favorite thing was when uh, in the ninth inning, the Red Sox closer that year was Matt Barnes. Mm-hmm. And so he's coming in. And this couple who'd been so friendly and delightful out of nowhere start complaining about Matt Barnes. Like, ah, great. We could be up by five runs. And then Barnes comes in. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I, I didn't, I was never that big of a fan of Matt Barnes. But in that moment, I hoped that Matt Barnes would be the Boston closer for the next 15 years. Because that was just... <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Bonds. That's um, so yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. You know, Fenway. All we right. Didn't, so we didn't say this. The um Sweet Caroline is a great thing in Fenway Park, too. Um, oh, yes. That's that's a real thing. I mean, they you, they show it on TV every now and then, especially in the playoffs. But I mean, it's you talk about a vibe in a stadium, it's really fun being in that stadium when they play that. Yep. Right. I, a lot of stadiums do the seventh inning stretch. Wrigley's kind of famous for it, but yeah. the Boston does the eighth inning stretch where they sing Sweet Caroline. And, you know, even at the Red Sox Yankees game, everybody, no matter who they're rooting for, got into it. Um, everybody comes together for that one song. And it was it was very, very cool. That is an experience. That's another one that's just you, you yep. got to be there. Yep. All right. So here's the big question. Right. Uh, what would you guys say would be your top three stadiums overall? Uh, uh Dan, what oh, you go first? Oh, go ahead, Dan. All right. Um, you're wrong if you question. don't say Wrigley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because that's part of the tough part of it is like, you know, do you, do you say like a Boston and a Cubs, you know, because they're old nostalgic right. type stadiums? Mm-hmm. Or or do you go with something that's you know more modern? Um, so that's a tough. So I had to. So I so I went top three. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. top three that I did were number three. 
I did. I said Wrigley because it, it's you know besides the stadium, it's just a very cool experience and the it neighborhood is. and everything like that. Yeah, and go Cubs. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought well. I know I'm kind of changing my mind here. Okay, number no, number two, I'm going with San Francisco. Yeah. Um, I I, I thought that the stadium was awesome. It is. Um, number one, I uh, I'm probably throwing one out here that uh, that might not be. I don't know if Mike's been to the stadium yet or not, but might not be like you know in one of your top stadiums. But number one for me was Seattle. No, Seattle is I, cool. I I really yeah. love Seattle. I I like the, it was cool. Uh, their little like roof that they have. I thought the the stadium itself was just was just awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a good. A decade ago, yeah. So a decade ago, when I took that trip that uh, we talked about on the last episode of the podcast, out to you know when I was in Portland and then Seattle for a bit my nightlife was Mariners games. Cause I didn't really go out and I wasn't the kind of guy that would just go out and drink on his own. Uh, so I didn't have anything to do during the evenings. So like I walked down to the stadium one day and the lady sitting in the press box by herself, nobody within a mile. I'm like, Oh, Hey, uh, how much is a, how much is a ticket to the game tonight? Seven bucks. All right, cool. I'm in. How yeah. much is the game tomorrow night? Nine bucks. Oh, <laughs> cool. Um, what about the game after that? Well, our star pitcher, Felix Hernandez, is pitching, so it's going to be more expensive. How much? 30 bucks? That's not bad. That's that's yeah. a cheap ticket at Wrigley. What if I, okay, there's a four-game series against the Angels, which, by the way, I did get to see Trout early on play in this series. Uh, so what about the last game? What if I sat somewhere different, like 15? So I saw the whole, like, I saw four games of baseball for, I bet, 50 maybe 50 dollars maybe 60 dollars which is pretty cool but one night they had this game uh kind of a little fan game before the actual baseball game where this family was like trying to win some prize and they had the mom there's was, was a, a couple and then their two kids and the mom was standing kind of close to second base and there were a whole bunch of hangers with jerseys on them just spread out throughout the outfield and so this family, the the dad and the two kids had to run and grab one jersey at a time, run back, throw it on top of the mom. And so like she'd be wearing more and more jerseys. And right. they had to do that within a time limit. And so I think my favorite mascot is the Mariner Moose. One, just because it's just, it was just a fun vibe anyway. But uh, there's a point where there's about a minute left. And you're looking, you're counting the jerseys on the field and how fast the kids and the dad are moving. And, you, and they're they're close, but you realize they're, the they're not going to make mathing. it. Right, yeah. The math's not mathing. Right, the math's not mathing for them. Got it. This, this isn't going to work out. They're going to lose this. Suddenly, you see the Mariner Moose full, like, arm-pumping <laughs> sprint through the field all the way to the deepest part of center field with the, the furthest away hanger, grabs the jersey, just rips it off the hanger, Full sprint back, just throws it on top of the mom's head, and they barely make it in time. Nice. I was like, that was that was pretty great. That's cool. Um, but yeah, that, Seattle is cool, so I I don't blame you. That's that that is a really cool stadium. Mm-hmm. Tim, what about you? Yeah, so uh, Wrigley's uh, my favorite. I've been there many many times. Uh, my heart says Tiger Stadium, not Comerica Park, because that's where I grew up. 
and it was just a beautiful um a, a relic to baseball um a lot of great memories there including the year they won the world series and uh going there with my grandfather and when i was a little kid with my parents um but that's just emotional connection. I, I think Wrigley is not just an emotional favorite because I have loved the Cubs for a few decades now, but it's just such an amazing, amazing setting to watch a baseball game. In. And you're right, the vibe is different and the vines on the outfield and the just everything about Wrigley Field is really cool. Then I would go Fenway second. Um, I think I really do enjoy the history of baseball and uh, being to see the Green Monster and and the fans are so dedicated and it's so weird and quirky you're in center field and seats and they don't actually face home plates. They're crooked. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, there's just a lot of cool quirkiness there, I think. And then my third one would be San Francisco. Uh, I, that's a beautiful place to see a baseball game. I, I agree with you. The fans are a little uh, weird. Uh, it seems like there's two factions there, some to watch the game and some to just be out because they can. Um Right. But yeah, those would be my top three. Um, as of the moment I wrote this blog, uh, we have five left. There's only five left on the uh, docket, which is kind of cool. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, that was you wrote that initially a couple of years ago. But it's yep. yeah, we'll we'll get to that later, I guess. Um, all right. So I'm going to cheat a little yeah, bit because I, I have I'm a going to chime in here just for a second. Yeah, um, oh, sure. You know, because Tim was talking about Tiger Stadium. It, you know, for me, it's the same way. It's, a, you know, awesome from my childhood going to the games. But structurally, the stadium is kind of strange. You know, they, they just kind of like, they initially built it with, with uh, you know, with no upper deck or anything. So then they slapped right. down the upper deck later on. And still there's poles in the way of the some poles seats. Were in the way, yeah. And, yeah. So it's structurally kind of a, a strange, it was a strange stadium. But uh, yeah, you know, growing up, I you know, I had a lot of a lot of fond memories there. Yeah, the flagpole was in play in center field for God's sake. Yeah, yep, that's weird. Yeah, that's Lou just weird. Whitaker, and we found that out when Lou Whitaker hit one off the flagpole out mm -hmm. there, four hundred some feet, four hundred forty feet, wasn't it? Yeah, four hundred forty feet to center field. Yeah, he clanged Jeez. it out the flagpole, and he thought it was a home run, and they said, "Nope, ground rule double." Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know what you mean as far as like some of the poles being in the way. I mean, as much as as much as we love Wrigley, you know, you get a There's seat poles behind in the, way the column, there too. and you are staring right at the column. It's yeah. <laughs> you, right. you got to be careful when you're getting a ticket to Wrigley. Um. All right, so I think I mean, there's no shock. One's going to be Wrigley. You know, I could yeah. do a three-two-one, but let's let's be honest. Everybody knows that's going to be my answer. Uh, for all the reasons you said, Tim, you know, there's, there isn't a, an emotional, just a sentimental attachment to that, but it's just, there's no energy like Wrigley energy. Uh, two, I, I'll, I'll say two last third. I'm going to cheat a little bit, but this is, this would be my answer. If we did a top five, a top 10, no matter what it would be, um, these two would be tied for third regardless, which would be Dodger stadium during the day. Okay. Or Fenway at night. Yeah, that's, that's definitely uh, Dodger cheating. Stadium. <laughs> it is. That's, that's absolutely cheating. The I, question. I, I, so I, okay. I think if, if I'll, I'll say Fenway because I do have a little bit of a connection to that now, sure. you know, since I've been there so many times and I love Boston yeah. so much. Uh, but I'm going to still tell you why these two are so close. Uh, during the day, the Chavez Ravine in the background in Dodger Stadium is just one of the most gorgeous sights I've seen with the, 
the mountains and just the desert landscape back there absolutely gorgeous and where i sat there i was in the second level but i was kind of right level with home plate so i could almost call balls and strikes from where mm. i was sitting um at least from above but then if you look out past the field and you just see that view i i remember thinking you know because I, I i hated on the dodgers for a while sure and i mean because it's it's kind of easy to hate la sports you know because it's la but i do remember being there and thinking Oh, I understand why people want to play baseball here. I understand yeah. why people want to watch baseball here. Like, I get it. I'm not going to say I like them, but I respect them. You know, and the, the stadium is great. Also, all the tributes to Vince Scully are just a lot of fun. That's true. Oh, yep. Yeah. Vince Scully the was Dodger great. Stadium and during yeah. like the drive up to get to the parking lot in Shea Ravine. It's the whole thing is very unique. It's a very unique experience yes. going to a Dodgers game. Yep. Yes. Um, and there were other parts of the fan experience there, but I, but yeah, so that was, I had a really good time there. Um, but Dodger stadium during the day, I think just barely gets eclipsed by Fenway at night because with Fenway, the attraction is the opposite. It's not necessarily the surroundings. It's the stadium itself. Yes. So visually at night, the lights are on and it's just accentuating all the green, the big green monster and the bleachers and the fans and everything. Um, so it really puts that spotlight, you know, no pun intended, on the actual attraction of Fenway Park. Uh, but also just the vibe. I mean, there's a vibe at a Red Sox game anyway, regardless. Yeah. But it's different when you go to a Red Sox game at night. There's just there's that energy that's very, very unique, especially when they get late to the late innings, when they get to the Sweet Caroline. That part's fun anyway, but when you're doing at nighttime, Sweet Caroline with a crowd full of, you know, a Fenway cr crowd of Red Sox fans and other fans and everybody's just in it together. It's like, yeah, that's that's a pretty cool experience. Reading in my sure. book, they, um, I, I found out how the Green Monster <clears throat> came to be. Which is, oh, yeah. Which is pretty good. I mean, you guys should be able to guess it. I'll give you both one guess. Oh, it's got to do with... Uh... Stopping the Yankees from hitting home runs. Nope. Probably, yeah. Oh. Oh. It has to do with money. money. People are watching the game. They they built this guy across the street owned a building and he built seats over there. Oh, so he you tried watch rooftop the game. seats. So and yeah, so just... they built a wall higher. <laughs> and then he built a wall higher. And oh, they yeah. built a wall higher and just kept going up. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, there is there's a a bar on the outside of Fenway that connects to the stadium. And so you can go in this bar. I just found this out kind of recently um, with a friend of mine. You can go to this bar and they have, it's um, it looks like a garage door, but it's kind of, well, there is kind of a garage door looking thing, but they'll pull that up and there's like a gate that leads right up to the field. And so you can actually watch if you go to this bar, which doesn't really cost anything, you can see part uh, of the field. And you can be right next to the field watching the game. You know, somebody could run up and catch a ball on the wall and yeah. be right next to your face. Um, That's cool. Which I thought was pretty that was kind of cool to yeah. to find that. Next time I'm there, I might have to try and take more advantage of that place. Um so number one Wrigley, number three Fenway with the honorable mention Dyer Stadium. Number two uh, I ha I think I gotta go Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a pretty place. That's no, a nice stadium. I, going back to Dodger Stadium, I remember at the beginning of that whole trip, 
I, I was asking people, I was talking to people in the crowd and anybody that had done something similar with the stadium tour or knew somebody that had done something similar had said, it was almost unanimous. Everybody said, who's their favorite? Pittsburgh. And I didn't really know much about the stadium at the time. And you think, Pittsburgh? I mean, what's so special about Pittsburgh? Yeah. That's It's kind of weird. Wasn't expecting that. And then in the years since, I had heard more and more hype about how nice that stadium was. And I still had it in the back of my head, like, oh, I bet it's nice, but can it really be, like, that much? But, like, is it really that good? So this past year when I had another contract in Boston, I talked to my buddy Kevin and I said, Hey, uh, you come out to Boston. We'll go to a game at Fenway. So you can get a Fenway game under your belt. And then a few weeks later, I'll come out, I'll fly out to Pittsburgh and we can go to uh, uh, pirates. Well, we went to a pirates Cubs game and uh, yeah, man. I mean, it, it helps that it was a perfect day weather wise. But just with the the bridge and the city and the background, the That's stadium amazing. itself is yes. Uh, they've got the Allegheny right there, um, the river, um, the stadium set up so you, it's pretty easy to get around. The facility itself is just very nice. I mean, yeah. the bathrooms, the concessions, and all that is just very nice. Even the even the like the gift shop, it's like everything's top notch. Um, but you're sitting there and just looking out at that stadium i mean it's it's portrait-esque it, yep. it's fantastic and the fans are kind of fun too there's a couple of people sitting behind us later in the game we got to talking and um and they were just a lot of fun we kind of teased each other a little bit just because you know division rivals but they were a lot of fun sure. too so those are fun yeah, games too I, cubs cubs pirates that's usually a well-fought game yeah, yeah. well there's either that dislike. or it's a slaughter I I've been to Cubs Pirates where like it was the Cubs beat the Pirates fourteen to three. Yeah. I've I've been to more than one of those types of games, but yeah. those are still fun. I mean, you know, I, I got to say that the, the Cubs game that I went to was with Tim, and they played the Tigers. The Tigers beat them like fourteen to three or something like yeah. that. It was it was a Tigers blew them out. I you know I know now the interleague play isn't really that big of a deal because they kind of set it up so everybody sees everybody, but um a little over a decade ago i went with actually i went with mike hilty and then another oh, okay. you know a few other friends uh to a cubs tigers game when the tigers were there and you know i think for a lot of tigers fans there's like we get to go to wrigley field for us it's like hey we're bad this year we're just playing some team in the al central whatever but there were so many tigers fans there because it's like hey we get to go to wrigley and it felt like a hostile takeover because by the ninth inning, there were so many cheers whenever the uh -huh. Tigers were throwing, you know, yeah. uh, getting outs and everything. And I, I'd never, I hadn't experienced that at Wrigley before. And I just remember right. looking at my friend like, holy cow. You know, but I, I don't know if it's the Detroit fans travel well or they just live in these parts of the country because it's starting to happen with the wings again. They're, they're yeah. on the road and there's tons of wings fans in the stands. Yeah because the wings are starting to get good again. You know, they were kind of quiet there for last five, six years because the wings were bad, but now they're, they're coming out again and they're, <laughs> it, it's pretty awesome. I mean, Detroit's a pretty passionate city with some passionate fans. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Right. But uh, the, the last part of that, I, I'd say about the fourth inning, um, the, the Cubs either had it tied with the Tigers or they were up by one. And the Tigers hit like 
they they scored a couple runs so they went up by two and Hilty and I and a couple other friends we were there with are all just like yeah boy here we go and we kept on making comments like that and there's a Tigers fan sitting in front of us that went I have never seen a fan base that just automatically felt so defeated down by two runs in the fourth inning (laughs) and we just looked at him and in unison went we've been here before (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) that's the way Lions fans are Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. I, We've uh, been everywhere on the bags, the wrong side of things as Lions fans. Right. Well, and Tigers fans too, for that matter. Yeah, but at least they've had run. a couple of nice runs. The Lions, uh, very few and far between. Knock on yeah, wood, they're in the middle of one true. right now. That's true. Uh, well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you, yeah. Dan, for uh, for coming on. This has been this has Our been first guest, Dan yeah. Sears. You yeah. did great. It's been it's been fun. Yeah, if you just want to take Mike's place, I think he did better than Mike did. We could probably uh, just, you know, shuffle him off to yeah, the side. But, and... but but if that's the case, then you better start writing some blogs pretty soon because we have. Oh yeah, that's right. That really doesn't that doesn't work out. Never mind, Dan. Forget. Well, yeah, I think I think it's that. good to get the viewpoint of the young and the old, so you can get Tim <laughs> and and Mike. Oh, did I wow. call you old, Tim? I'm sorry. Wow, that's uh that was a shot. <laughs> I think Thanks Dan figured that, out Dan. the I tone. Appreciate that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. This is uh, this has been fun. Thanks, Dan. Okay, it's been fun. I'll I'll see you guys a couple hours, I guess. Yep. We'll see Sounds you soon, great. Dan. Okay. Bye. Thanks, buddy. That was my longtime traveling partner in crime, Dan Sears, being our first guest on the podcast. Uh, next, we'll throw you a little bone about the upcoming blog episode uh, number five. But we just want to say thanks to Dan for showing up and discussing all things golf and baseball. I don't know about you. I've had a lot of fun uh, with this chat. Yep. Uh, The season's just starting to open up, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that's, you know, pitchers and catchers there and spring training starting. And yeah, um, it's an exciting time. And 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 I think we both have more stories that we need to tell at least at the very least, tell each other about just stadium stuff for sure. Yes, so we talked about how we started to get into the stadium tour, but what we haven't talked about is um, where'd you start to love the game of baseball? And so the next blog uh, that you wrote really starts to get into what was it like when you were a kid and you fell in love with baseball, just playing it, not going to stadiums, but just playing it. And um is there anything that you want to give people as a teaser for uh, what that's going to look like? Uh, you know, last week you had me give you that teaser. So yeah. why, don't, why don't you go ahead and kind of give a little bit of a teaser about uh, next week's entry, which I wrote, which is Home Run Part 1. Yeah, sure, if you want me to. Um, I loved hearing about you as a Little League player. Um, you've got some... You talk a little bit about uh, how how much loyalty you had to a certain little league team, <laughs> and then you take that fire, and you talk about the Cubs in the '90s and the end of the Bulls run, which uh, I'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. That's going to be a lot of fun yeah. next next time. Um, but then you know we're talking about loving baseball as a as a young man like playing a, a young man's game and then finding heroes. And um, the next blog is about finding heroes and having it turn into a, a lifelong love of a game. 
Well, yeah, guys, uh, check that out next week. And uh, thank you for following along uh, so far. So, uh, yeah, that was from baseball to the stage. Hey, guys, I want to say thanks for hanging out with us and listening to everything we have to say and read along with the blog. And uh, we had it was really fun talking about baseball and the band and basketball, all kinds of stuff. We really appreciate uh, like you guys following that the support really means a lot to us. Mike, tell people how they could uh, get in touch with us. Uh, you know, we'd really like if you guys would get in touch with us. Um, so a reminder, you can read our blog at 15-years-later.com. That's a numerical one and five with hyphens. Um, so you can leave us a comment on 15-years-later.com. Or you can email us at 15yearslaterblog at gmail.com. 15yearslaterblog at gmail.com. Or you can follow us and either send us a message or a comment on uh, any of our social media sites, which is uh, we have a we have an account at Instagram, Twitter and threads um, at 15 years later, TM. Um, one more time, 15 years later, TM. So feel free to follow us there. Leave us a comment or send us a message there. Leave us an email or leave us a comment on the website. Uh, we'd love to respond to some of these on the show. And uh, we're looking forward to the the next part of the story. Hey, we are partnered with the SPDM Podcasting Network. Yeah, so the SPDM crew is uh, a podcasting network started by my buddy Mike Hilty. Um, there are a bunch of different shows connected with this network that we're associated with. Um, for example, Sports Ball, a sports podcast. Um, Flicks and Chill, which is about movies and just life. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a new pro wrestling one that I just started listening to that's very good. You know, as a big wrestling fan myself, I enjoyed called Ruthless Obsession. Sure. Um, and uh, and then there's Family Movie Night, which is just an adorable, yeah, just an adorable uh, pot where Mike and his his young daughter review movies. And uh, but yeah, so check out the uh, the budding SPDM crew podcasting network uh, with whom we are partnered. And uh, thank you guys so much. We uh, we look forward to continuing to tell the story with you and hope you'll join us for the rest of it. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Have a good day, guys.